0: Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kemah, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. This message this morning is on prayer and restoration, Uh, what James is going to be wrapping up this letter to the, the early Christian church, and it's valid for us today as well. But my hope is that each of you have been challenged through this series in James. I know I have, and I think I think it, it should be pushing on all of us as uh, God is doing something in all of our hearts and lives. And it's my prayer that we are developing a deeper relationship with the Lord, but also growing up and becoming more spiritually mature. Key scriptures for this morning will be found in James 5, 13 through 20. And we'll also be going to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But let's start off in James chapter 5, verse 13. And he writes, Are any of you suffering hardships? He says, Are any of you suffering hardships? The next sentence, you should pray. And how many times do we do everything else but pray? And that's where we should begin. And uh, just as a reminder, every Sunday morning from whenever the Praise and Worship team finishes rehearsing from about 9.20, 9.30, whenever they finish till about 9.45, we're praying in here. So it's a good time to come and just kind of sit and soak and pray and and allow the Lord to uh, prepare your heart uh, for this morning service, for the morning service. And uh, so anyway, we want to invite you to join us from 9.20, 9.30 to 9.45 in prayer. Kind of bunny trailing here a little bit, but but I want I'm talking about prayer, and let's go to First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen, and verse sixteen says, "Always be joyful." Do you do you know anybody other than Karen Tudor that's always joyful? <laughs> I mean, are you always joyful? Uh, okay, Karen, I'm not talking to you, but are you always joyful? I'm not, and I think this is impossible without the Lord, and I think that's reflective of the Lord in Karen's life, is that it's impossible to always be joyful. And we know uh, we covered this early on in the series in, in chapter 1. Uh, James writes, count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations. That can o- we can only find joy when we have the Lord leading us and guiding us. And, and so it's impossible without the Lord to be joyful. So that's another reason we need the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 is three strong words never stop praying. Let me, in the Greek, that would probably read pray, pray, pray. We need to be in prayer. And you don't have to be weird and kooky about it, just be praying. And as we pray more, you know, what happens is we, we just develop this ongoing relationship and, and I find myself praying throughout the day just, just randomly. I mean, it just kind of comes out of me because there's been that culture, or that uh, habit, whatever you want to call it, of continuous prayer in my life. And, and so we need to be praying people. We need to be praying all the time because you never know what's going to happen. Verse 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So we need to be in prayer, and we need to be thanking Him. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. And we're to present our prayers and petitions to Him with what? Thanksgiving. Why are we thanking Him? Because we have an expectant heart that He's going to do something in the situation. Okay, let's go back to, to James uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. So that's what we've been talking about, praying. Are, are any of you happy? You should what? Sing praises. What did we do this morning? We sang praises. And uh, also, we find that when we begin to, to worship God, uh, there's just something that rises up. And I think it was last week, man, I was under spiritual attack like I've not been in a long time. And I've told you when, when you're under attack like that, that one of the things that you should do is pray and also praise. Begin to worship God, and that will probably be the last thing that you will want to do even me. I mean, uh, the other day when I was going through that, I was like, man, I I don't even want to, I don't I don't want to hear any music. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do any of that, but I pressed through and God broke some stuff off. There was breakthrough. I'm telling you, think about Israel when they, when they would go into battle. Send out the praise and worship team. Oh, I thought the praise and worship team was like an easy gig. You know, you just play music. I didn't know I was going to be out in front of the army. Why would he send them? Because they're going forth and there's something that happens as we praise God. There's something supernatural that happens in the environment as we praise God. Chains are broken off. People are set free. Enemies are defeated. Okay, so you should sing praises. Praise helps us focus on the Lord. It it takes our minds off of us, helps us with our eye problem. I, 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 I. You know, what about him, 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 him? Not H-Y-M-N, but H-I-M. Okay. Uh, Praise helps us focus on the Lord, and it takes our focus off of us and redirects us to the Lord. The next slide is praise and worship is much more about engagement with our hearts and less about the music or the style or the music or the song. It's about our heart. What's in our heart? Verse 14 says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And we do this when people are sick, when people have maladies. uh, We'll pray for them. We anoint them with oil. And it's based on this verse in in James chapter 14. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, healing doesn't come from some special oil. It's not some kind of snake oil or, you know, some kind of, you know, there's nothing special about the oil, but it's it's about the power of God when we obey. And he says, if someone's sick, have the elders of the church anoint them with oil. And healing comes as a result of God doing something in our life. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm talking about that, but also spiritual healing, emotional healing, mental healing, whatever. Do You know that uh, we've all got some, we probably all have some broken places in our life where we need some healing if we don't, well, they're, well. we do. Let me just be straight up. We do. But so do people around us. And so as we go to the Lord and uh, we pray, God does something in our lives. And he wants to bring health and healing and wholeness that we can walk in the fullness of life. Do you know people that are Christians, but they're so wounded, they're like cactus? You don't want to get around them because they're, they're, they're going to poke you? I'm not saying they're not saved, but there's some brokenness, there's some broken places in their hearts and lives, and God wants to heal those things in our lives and the lives of people around us. and He may be using us to be a buffer, you know He may be causing us to push against those those, uh, you know, the cactus spines to try to push into them a little bit and, and wrap our arms around them and say, "You know what, I love you. Let me be the hands and feet." of Jesus and love you a little bit. Loving people <laughs> will cost you something sometimes. It will. Because again, it's not all about us. It's all about him. Okay, let's go back to James 5.16. says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need to, in order to do that, I think we need to have transparent, authentic, honest relationships where we can trust one another to, you know, help one another. Hey, brother, I'm struggling with this. Uh, you know, whatever that may look like, is there somebody that I can trust to really pour out my heart to? And so we need to have people in our life that we share our struggles or challenges with. Verse 16 continues, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Honest, heartfelt prayers from a person who's connected to the Lord, God will work through their lives powerfully with great power, and it produces wonderful results. We get to be a part of this awesome thing the Lord is doing. We get to be a part of, of, you know, praying for people and then God heals them, or we get to be a part of encouraging, or we get to be a part of teaching, or leading worship, or whatever that is. We get to do that because God entrusts us with those giftings, or those anointings, or whatever He gives us, so that lives are impacted through us. When you think about it, what an awesome privilege and opportunity we have, that God would choose us. I was talking to a friend of mine that, uh, the other day that I hadn't talked to in uh I don't know twenty years, and he's played. Uh, he's a professional musician. That's played, you know, with a, a lot of really famous people. If I were to tell you some of the, the people he played with, you you would know him. And uh, and and he was saying, sometimes I just feel so unworthy. Sometimes I feel so unqualified. And I said, Rudy, Rudy, do you know who you're talking? To? You're talking to me, Rudy. It's me, Mark. I'm the pastor of a church. It's me. Talk about unqualified. I'm not qualified by myself. But you know what? God has chosen me. And he said, I've chosen you because you can do it. Through me, you can do it. And it because you are willing to yield your heart and your life to me, I'm going to use you. And if we would understand that it's God's choice and what he calls us to do and just be obedient to those things, he's chosen us. We're worthy, but not because of ourselves, but because he has said, he has deemed us to be worthy. Man. So I was encouraging this man. And I was saying, Rudy, you can do it. God has a purpose and plan. And I'm telling you today, you can do it. God has a purpose and plan. And he will get you where you need to be, where he wants to take you in spite of yourself, in spite of your stupid mistakes that you make or hardheadedness or whatever that may be. All right. Okay. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Let's go back to James, uh, part B in 16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a righteous man. He had the right relationship with God. And, you know, again, um, God works powerfully through our lives when we are called according to his purpose. And so I don't think that it was just that he said, well, I don't like those people. I don't like my neighbors over there, so I want to pray it did not rain on their crops for three and a half years. I believe he was in alignment with God's word because God was trying to get their attention. He was trying to do something, not to destroy the crops, but to do something in the lives and the hearts of people. James 5, 17, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. And then in verse 18, in James 5, 18, he writes, then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. God is powerful. Through Christ, we are powerful. So I think he was in alignment with God and God said, okay, it's, it's time to rain. Okay, we pray for rain. What does that I see over there? A little bitty cloud. Hey, it's growing, it's growing. And here comes the rain. He's in alignment with God's purpose and plan. He's hearing He's hearing the smallest still voice of the Lord speaking to him. That's why I pray every Sunday that we will hear his voice, that we will really hear it in our hearts. In the next two verses, James closes out with something that's pretty controversial. And you know that we teach the word here. We teach all of it. We don't carve stuff out. So we're going to talk about it. Most of us have been taught that we can't lose our salvation. You can't lose your salvation. I believe that to be correct. I believe that is true. And let's go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace when you performed well. No. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Not when you get your life together. When you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you receive this free gift of salvation. Understanding that the blood of Jesus is the ransom for all of our sins. There had to be, there there was always a payment for sin, And we know from the garden of, uh, uh when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a requirement of blood because what did, what did God do? He covered them with, with skins of animals. Well, that required the blood of those animals. So there's always been a requirement of blood for the forgiveness of sin. And now we don't sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus paid the ultimate satisfaction. He satisfied that that requirement for blood to be shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Uh, he said on the cross, Jesus says, said, it is finished. I believe that's part of what he was talking about. It's finished. There's no more need for sacrificing of animals. It's my blood that's covered all the sin. So Ephesians 2.8 again says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is what? A gift from God. So we can't earn it. We can't work for it. You can't be good enough to earn salvation, and you can't be bad enough to be disqualified. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, salvation is not based on our behavior. It's not performance-based. It's grace-based. Not performance grace ah, man, that's good stuff. I, I thank you for your grace, Lord. Ephesians 2.9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Oh, well, I gave money. I gave a million dollars. I did it. Well, you know, salvation is not based on that. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Ah, let's camp out here for a while. God, thank you. Thank you that you created a masterpiece. I'm a very unique piece, (laughs) and so are all of you. We're God's masterpiece. Can you get, let's stop here for a minute. Can you get that? Can you receive that? That God really loves you and you're a masterpiece? Okay. He, ha, he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has good things that he planned for us long ago and we're made new through Christ when we receive him and the fullness of Christ into our lives. You were created for greatness. Tell your neighbor, you were created for greatness. All right, God wants to do great things through your life. James uh, has just now. James has just concluded about doing miracles through Elijah. He's talked about the power of the Lord working through this man's life, and uh, Elijah was a human just like you and I. But God did amazing things. The key to moving powerfully, the the key to God moving powerfully through our life, is found in this relationship with Jesus. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.